Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. Have you ever heard someone talk about how we all have our cross to bear? We know that phrase actually comes from the Bible, but do we actually use it the way the Bible did? The lesson you're about to hear, which was preached for the Franklin Congregation on September 7, 2008, takes a look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, in which Jesus said we should take up our cross daily. I think that extra word, daily, provides some great insight regarding what it means to be a Christian. I invite you to get out your Bible and get ready to study what it means when we take up our cross one day at a time. Well, we all have our cross to bear. You ever heard anybody say that? What, what is usually meant when somebody says something like, we all have our cross to bear? We usually have the, the idea in mind of, well, I'm just going through some kind of trouble. I'm going through some kind of hardship. And when we say that, it could mean anything from having car trouble to having trouble in our marriage, to having trouble on the job, to being sick, just going through any kind of hardship. I think we as Christians probably already recognize that this phrase, having our cross to bear, is actually from the Scripture. In fact, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, we recognize that, that Jesus talked about bearing the cross. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We see the passage that talks about taking up the cross. We see the passage that talks about us bearing our cross. But is this talking about just having a hardship? Is this talking about a daily trial? Is this talking about the burdens that we bear? Not exactly. Take up the cross daily and follow me. Here's a picture that Jesus is providing. And we think about when Jesus took up his cross. And then as he, as he went down that way toward Golgotha and he stumbles and he falls and the Romans pull a man out of the crowd, Simon the Cyrene, who, who lifts up the cross and now has to follow Jesus up to Golgotha. There's that picture that he's trying to present. But interestingly in Luke, Distinct from all the other places that have a parallel passage about bearing our cross, here in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, the very interesting word here he says is to take up our cross daily. I'd like for us to consider what this means. I want us to stop for just a few minutes today and think about bearing our cross, the cross that Jesus wants us to bear. Not just flippantly throwing out that phrase, but taking a look at what it means to take up our cross and then what it means to take up our cross daily. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer briefly, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up because you are amazing and you have taken care of us and you provide us another opportunity to gather here with children of yours where we can honor and glorify you and to edify one another. And we pray that everything we've done this morning and everything we continue to do, in fact, everything that we do as a congregation, will be in accordance with your word and with the authorization that you've given us so that you might be glorified because that's, what, that's what's important to us. Father, we praise you and thank you for sending your Son who took up his cross so that our sins might be forgiven. And we'd ask that you would strengthen us to take up our cross daily. Forgive us for the times that we've set our cross down. And help us to lift it up and to bear it throughout this life so that you might be served and honored and glorified 
but also so that we might have the eternal life that comes through bearing that cross. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. When we think about taking up our cross one day at a time, the very first thing we just need to recognize is that we're supposed to be taking up a cross. But, but what does that mean? I'll tell you what, in the Bible, taking up the cross does not mean just some idea of having a burden. Taking up the cross in the Bible is not just some idea of having a hardship that I have to go through. Taking up a cross in the Bible is not just some trial that we have to endure. Taking up the cross in the Bible was a very specific picture. And for us to really grasp what it means, we need to imagine ourselves back in that situation. Can you imagine walking the streets of Jerusalem and down the way you hear the noise of a crowd as it's pressing through the streets and coming closer. And as it gets closer and closer, you hear the jeers of the crowd as as they're jeering and mocking someone who's walking in their midst. You hear Roman soldiers that are shouting for the crowd to make way. And you hear Roman soldiers shouting at somebody who's, who's carrying this tremendous burden on his back that he needs to keep moving and he needs to get up and he needs to walk. And as they get closer, you see the man who is beaten and battered because he has been whipped and scourged. Guys, Jesus wasn't the only crucified person that was whipped and scourged before the crucifixion. And so here he is, bloodied and beaten and battered, stumbling underneath this load. You can see people picking up things and throwing it at him. And you hear somebody perhaps even reading the declaration of his guilt and the crimes that he committed and why he's going on. That's the picture. When our New Testament counterparts, when they first got these Gospels and they saw this, when Jesus said, and they were listening to this, take up the cross, they did not hear, oh, we all have burdens. They did not hear, oh, we all have hardships. They saw an amazing and extreme picture. I'll tell you, there were at least three things that came to their mind when they talked about people taking a cross. The very first thing was that declaration of guilt. A proclamation of guilt. People didn't carry crosses unless they were guilty, according to the Romans. And it wasn't just some kind of guilt. It was the worst kind of guilt. Not just everybody got crucified. This was reserved for the worst of criminals. And so when somebody is taking up a cross, they're making a proclamation. I'm guilty. The second thing is a loss of personal control. Do you think anybody who carried a cross did it because they wanted to? I think there's a very interesting passage in John chapter 21 and verse 18 when Jesus is letting Peter know about the crucifixion that he will face in time to come. In John chapter 21 and verse 18, this is how Jesus described it to him. Truly, I, truly, truly, I say to you, John 21, 18, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. You see, the idea of picking taking up a cross was not just a burden. The idea of taking a cross was losing that personal control. I'm now going where someone else wants me to go. And the third thing we need to recognize is that carrying a cross was a certain picture of death. In fact, the man, or woman, but the man who would carry a cross was carrying the implement of their own torturous death. They did not view it as just a burden, as just a hardship. They saw it 
as this proclamation of guilt, as the loss of personal control, as a certain impending death that was going to come upon them. That's the picture of taking up a cross. And so when we hear of bearing our cross, when we talk about taking up our cross, there's some things that, that should come to our mind. For instance, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, where Paul there said in Romans 12 and verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or service. A living sacrifice. When we hear of taking up our cross, we need to hear sacrifice. Because that's what he's talking about. We need to hear Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, where Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we hear taking up our cross, we need to hear that we've lost that control of our lives. That we're on the cross and Jesus is on the throne. It's now Jesus living through us and we're going where He wants us to go, not where we want to go. When we hear of taking up our cross, we need to hear Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 beginning at verse 1. In Romans chapter 6 beginning at verse 1, what did Paul write? Romans 6 verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. When we hear about taking up our cross, we need to hear this picture of dying to sin. We need to see this picture of having been crucified with Christ. We need to hear Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 22. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 22, Ephesians 4 and verse 22, Paul says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25 of Ephesians 4 continues, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Verse 26, Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Verse 28, Therefore, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ 
forgave you. Before we comment, let's look at another similar passage in Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. We need to hear this when we hear taking up our cross. In Colossians 3 and verse 3 it says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its Creator. In Ephesians and Colossians, when we hear taking up a cross, we need to hear putting away all of those things. We're putting to death the earthly passions that are in us. We're putting off the old self that pursued malice and slander and anger and and gossip and covetousness and, and impurity and sexual immorality. That's what it means to take up a cross. It means to put all those things to death. You see what Jesus was saying? Brethren, when Jesus said take up a cross, He wasn't just talking about a hardship. He wasn't talking about the fact that you're driving a 94 Honda and a 98 Suburban that both constantly have problems and, and Dale's having to fix them every other week. Right, Dale? That's, but that's not bearing a cross. That's not taking up the cross that Jesus is talking about. Sure, that's a pain. That's a tough life. But brothers and sisters, if you think you're bearing a cross because you've got a bad car or, or a leak in your roof or trouble on your job or trouble in your family, that's not what Jesus is talking about. When we talk about taking up our cross, we're talking about putting ourselves to death. Not literally, but, but putting our goals, our desires, our wants to death and following Christ. Putting ourselves on the cross and letting Jesus run our lives. Taking up our cross means putting away from us the wrath and anger and clamor. You've been yelling at your family? You're not taking up your cross. Putting on, taking up our cross means getting rid of the covetousness. Even buying lottery tickets because you hope you're going to get a bunch of money like that? You're not taking up your cross. Taking up a cross means putting away the drunkenness and drinking and, and the, the partying that the world does. Taking up our cross means putting away the lust and the immorality and the impurity that, is, that has been in our lives. It means getting rid of those things and putting them to death. It means putting away our earthly passions. It means putting on Christ. That's what taking up our cross means. And if we're taking up those other things, if we're taking up wrath, malice, slander, gossip, drinking, covetousness, immorality, lust, impurity, if we're taking those things up, we're putting our cross down. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. But I want you to notice that he said that we need to take up our cross daily. He didn't say, take up your cross when you're baptized and be done. He said, take up your cross daily. What does that mean? Didn't I just take it up back when I got baptized? Take up your cross Daily. Think about this. Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Romans chapter 6 and verse 16 says to us that 
Do you not know, this is Romans 6.16, that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? When we submitted ourselves to sin, we became the slaves of sin. We were enslaved to sin. In fact, what we read in Romans chapter 6 just moments ago, in verse 6 said that we, would, we should no longer be enslaved. That's where we were when we were in the world. In Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, Paul said this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now this is Paul saying this. Who was brought up to be a Pharisee? He includes himself saying, he was by nature a child of wrath. He had sinned so much, it had become second nature to him. That's where all of us have been. Whether we've sinned as bad as somebody else or not, we've all got our sin that's taken over. And this is what he's talking about. Now do we honestly think, that having been enslaved to sin, having become by nature a child of wrath, that one day we're going to make one decision, be dipped in water and come up, and now we're not ever going to be dealing with that again? That it's no longer going to be a sacrifice? That it's just going to be easy? That we'll do that one time and it'll be over? Of course not. And so Jesus says to us, we need to take up our cross daily. Every day, anew, we need to put to death the earthly passions that are in us. Every day anew, we need to put to death those passions and those lusts and desires that we have. And every day anew, we need to pick up that cross and carry it on our back as we strive to renew our minds and put on Christ. Now, there's three things that this says to me on a very practical level. The very first thing is, a great day yesterday doesn't mean we're done. This is not a one-time event. Have you ever had a day where it went really well, you were tempted and you overcame and by the day was done, you just felt victorious and you just thought, man, that was awesome, I overcame, I did what was right, I didn't sin here, you know, they, they pushed my buttons and I didn't come back at them, or, or this happened and I didn't do it, or this temptation occurred. Have you ever had one of those wonderful days? And I hope so, I've had some. And when those days are done, I often think, all right, I've finally beaten it, it's over, I've won, this victory is mine, I'm not ever going to have to worry about it again. And then I wake up the next day. And it's, it's almost after those really, really good days when the biggest falls happen. It makes me think about 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The problem is we string together a couple of good days and we begin to think we've got it down and so now we're standing. And that's when Satan has an open door ready to knock us down. So we we can't just rest on the laurels of our past victories. We've got to do this every day. Did you have a good day yesterday? Today you still have to pick up the cross. Today you still have to put to death the earthly passions that are in you. Today you have to put Jesus on again because you can't rest on the good day that you had yesterday. But there's a flip side of that. In the same way that we can't rest on the victories of yesterday, we don't need to quit because of the failures of yesterday. A failure yesterday doesn't mean that we're finished. 
It's not a one-time event where we made one decision and now everything falls into place. At the same time, it's not a one-time shot where if we don't get it perfectly right forever from that first time that it's over for us. That's just not the way it works. We mess up sometimes. We've set the cross down. I bet every single one of us can think about times this very week where we've set the cross down. We yelled at our husband or wife or our kids. We said something disrespectful. We gossiped behind somebody's back. We, we twisted the truth a little bit. We pursued some flaw that, that sometimes we like to try to overlook because after all, we're just human. But we need to understand what those things are. Those are putting the cross down. Those are letting the lust of the flesh start leading us again. Well, what do we do when that happens? Do we just give up and just say, well, that's it. I can't do this cross-bearing thing. No, we remember what John said in 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. In 1 John 1, 9, Jesus, or John said, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess our sins. We tell God what we've done. We apologize to God. We admit how bad it is instead of trying to cover it up and act like it's not that big a deal because we're all just human. We let Him know how wrong it was and, and how it affected our relationship. And then we just pick that cross back up. If you failed yesterday, just pick it up again today because this is a daily thing. It's not a once for all. It's not you did it once and if you mess it up, it's over. It's daily. Pick it up again today if you messed up yesterday. If you mess up today, pick it up again tomorrow. You know, I'm not a very politically minded person. I, I don't get into the politics very much. And in fact, my plan is next week, we're going to talk about some politics. We're going to ask for whom should the Christian vote next Sunday. So invite your friends and let them know. But you know, I don't normally get into that. It's kind of like sports for me. But I did hear a great illustration the other night. I just have to tell you, watching a convention, I'd just rather watch grass grow. And, amen? I mean, come on, guys. That is about the most boring thing in the world. It's worse than golf. But, Marita got interested in it on Thursday, and so I was subjected to hearing that. Thursday night, and, and got to hear John McCain's speech. And he talked about when he was a prisoner of war. And if you heard the speech, you may have heard this statement where he talked about after he refused to be released early as a propaganda technique, that the, the Vietnamese tortured him pretty badly as a punishment for that. And he said that he broke. Now, I don't know exactly what that meant. I, I don't know what he did that, that represented in his mind being broken. But he said as they drug him back to his cell, he was ashamed, he was embarrassed, he was afraid to see any more of, of, his, of his fellow prisoners because he felt like he let them down. But one of his fellow prisoners just said to him, you fought as hard as you could. Tomorrow you just start fighting again. And I thought to myself, wow, it must have been God's providence that Marita wanted to watch this tonight because that goes right along with my sermon. Because that's really what it's about. Have you ever been there? Have you been at the end of the day where you were ashamed and embarrassed because you had broken? And you were, you were afraid to even see your fellow soldiers and look them in the eye because they might know how badly you'd let them down? What Jesus is saying when he says take up your cross daily is not that it's permission to just break all the time, but hey, you fought hard. You messed up today. Tomorrow, fight again. Pick the cross up again and keep fighting the battle. 
And the third thing that I recognize from this is that it's just it's a one day at a time thing. You don't have to pick up the cross for ten years. You don't have to pick up the cross for a year. You don't have to pick up your cross for a You don't even have to pick up the cross for a week. All you have to do is pick it up for the day. Pick the cross up today. Because that's all you got. You may not even get to ten years down the road. Why would we worry that I can't carry my cross for ten years when the fact is I might die next week? I might die tonight. So let's just let's just pick up the cross today. Isn't that what Jesus wanted us to recognize in Matthew chapter six and verse thirty four? In Matthew chapter six and verse thirty four, when Jesus said, Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Quit worrying about how you're going to take up the cross next week and just think about what can I do today? What, what do I need to be doing right now? What do I need to be putting off right now? And what do I need to be putting on right now to be taking up my cross today? If I make it to tomorrow, I'll think about tomorrow then when it's today. You see the point? One day at a time. Don't be overwhelmed thinking that you can't possibly make this happen for years and years to come. You don't have to. You just, just do it today. Just think about today. Take up the cross daily. But as I consider this concept of taking up the cross daily, another thing that I recognize is that tomorrow it'll still be taking up a cross. If I get to live another week, next Sunday, it will still be taking up a cross. If I get to live another year, next September 7th, it will still be taking up a cross. If I get to live another decade, in 2018, on September 7th, it's still going to be taking up a cross. There is not ever going to be a day where serving Christ is something that is not taking up a cross. It's always going to be a sacrifice. It is always going to be a burden. And in some senses, it's always going to be a hard thing to do because the temptation is still going to happen. I don't know, but but sometimes I just kind of long for a day where nothing ever tempts me anymore. Would you all like that day? It doesn't happen on this world. That happens in heaven. As long as we're on this side of eternity, it's going to be taking up a cross. You see, here's the thing you need to understand. You may have a great day today, and you may have a great day tomorrow, and you may have a great week, and just a a whole great week of having taken up the cross and having overcome. But, But Satan hasn't abandoned you. Satan sees you carrying that cross, so he's over in the corner doing push-ups. And as it says at the end of Jesus' temptation in Luke chapter 4 and verse 13, he left seeking a more opportune time. And as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, and was it about verse 7 or verse 8? 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's still looking for someone to devour, and that someone is you. And he's just off at the side waiting for an opportune time, for that time when you begin to think, hey, I've got this beat. For that time when you begin to think, I don't have to pick up my cross today. I think I can do it on my own. I don't have to put to death the earthly passions. I've gone a whole week or a whole month or a whole year without committing this sin. I don't have to put it to death anymore. It's already dead. He's just waiting for that moment so that he can just push that little button and bring you down. Now listen, I fully believe that if you take up your cross today, 
and, and you put to death your earthly passions today, and you put Christ on, and you clothe yourself in Christ, that if you do that today, and you do that tomorrow, and you do it for a week, and, and the more that we do that, the better we'll get at it, and the easier it is to do. I fully believe that. But if we ever get to the point that we think we've done that enough, and we have a day where we let our guard down, where we don't pick up our cross, where we don't actively put to death the, the passions that are within us, put those aside and put them off and pursue what's right, you just need to understand, Satan's going to be there to take advantage of it. You've given him a foothold, and he's going to get in there. Why do you think there in Ephesians 4, the passage we said earlier, it said, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give the devil an opportunity? Because that's what he's waiting for. So if you've been a Christian for 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years, and sometimes it still feels like taking up a cross, don't think you fail. Sometimes it feels like being a Christian is still, it's still hard and it's burdensome and, and all those temptations are coming at you and you, you haven't failed. That's what it means to be a Christian. To take up the cross daily. No matter how long you've been a Christian. That's what it's going to be like. It, we don't get to a point where we're impervious to temptation until heaven, where there is no temptation. So until we get there, what do we need to do every day? Take up the cross. Follow Jesus. And finally, I want to talk to you about the seeming paradox of the cross-bearing life. Let's face it, we've made this seem as though it's pretty bleak. Taking up a cross is not supposed to be a joyous picture. It's not supposed to be a light, trivial picture. It's supposed to be extreme. When Jesus said that to us, he wanted to present a picture that was bleak. I mean, think about it. These guys had seen folks beaten and battered, bloody, crawling down the street, carrying a cross on their back as people yelled and jeered and threw things at them. That's what he was trying to bring up to our mind. That seems pretty bleak. We've, we've pictured the idea of, of taking up our cross as the loss of that personal freedom. We've pictured the idea of taking up the cross as at certain death. We pictured it as a declaration of how sinful and guilty we are. And all of that is true. But at the same time, all of it's not true. Because you see, when in Jerusalem, when a man picked up a cross and carried it down the Via Della Rosa to go toward Golgotha, he was carrying the implement of his death on his back. When we pick up our cross and follow Jesus, we're carrying the implement of our life. When we pick up our cross, we're declaring that we're forgiven by Jesus on the cross and justified and innocent. When we pick up our cross, we are accepting the true freedom that Jesus offers. And so there is a seeming paradox. Because on the surface, taking up the cross may seem like we're killing ourselves. But in fact, taking up our cross is what gives us life. Jesus went on in Luke chapter 9. Remember verse 23 is where we started, where he said to us, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. But in verse 24 he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Brothers and sisters, as long as we're trying to hold on to this life, 
as long as we're trying to hold on to our goals, as long as we're trying to hold on to, to our hopes and dreams and all the things that we're going to accomplish because of how good we are, as long as we're trying to hold on to any of those passions, those things that we think will make us feel better, we're killing ourselves. Satan is telling you if you yell at your husband or your wife that it's going to make you feel better. Satan is telling you that if you have that clamor and that malice, that you'll feel better. Satan is telling you if you, if you take your own vengeance, you'll have satisfaction. Satan is telling you that you'll have freedom if you keep drinking and keep gambling. Satan is telling you that if you follow his way, you'll have life, and to follow Jesus' way means to die. But Satan's lying to you. Yes, taking up our cross means putting to death our passions and our lusts and our desires. Taking up our cross means letting Jesus run our lives. Taking up our cross means being a slave of righteousness. But only in taking up our cross can we have the freedom that we really want. Only in taking up our cross can we have the life that we're truly after. Look again in Romans chapter 5. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6. And this time beginning at verse 15. Romans chapter 6 and verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, we're going to become enslaved to Jesus. Yes, we become enslaved to righteousness. Yes, we put to death our earthly passions. But what were we getting when we were in those things and free from righteousness? And then they have to deal with God's rules. What were we getting out of that? Guilt, shame, death. But when we take up the cross of Christ and put ourselves under His bondage, we gain righteousness, freedom from sin, and eternal life. So the question is, what are you taking up today? Are you taking up malice, bitterness, holding a grudge, resentment, gossip, slander? Are you taking up impurity and immorality? Covetousness, drinking and drunkenness? Are you taking up slothfulness? Procrastination? Or are you taking up the cross of Jesus Christ 
and following Him. Taking up the cross is where real life is. I hope this lesson edified you and glorified God. Let's remember what we learned. Taking up our cross actually means, one, a proclamation of personal guilt, two, a loss of personal control, three, death. In short, it means giving control of our lives to God and putting to death our own passions and sins. Taking up our cross daily means, one, if we had a great day of cross-bearing yesterday, we don't get to quit today. Two, if we had a bad day of cross-bearing yesterday, we don't have to give up. And three, we take up our cross one day at a time. We need to remember that Christianity will be like taking up a cross every day for however long God lets us live. Finally, there's a seeming paradox in all this. When a first century criminal picked up his cross, he was carrying the implement of his death. When we pick up ours, we are actually carrying the implement of eternal life. If you have any questions about this lesson, or if you have any spiritual needs, please feel free to contact us by calling 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, we would love to get to meet you. Please join us for any of our assemblies or classes. You can find directions and a schedule on our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.